Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. So today, uh, so I guess first of all, welcome, and my name is Ali. I'm going to be uh, hosting today, so I'm the Strive Project Manager. And on today's episode, we welcome Lauren Goosens. Hi, everyone. Lauren uh, works for the Early Learning Center in Elgin County. So they have multiple locations throughout St. Thomas and Elgin. And she is the director at the Orchard Park location. So welcome, Lauren. Yeah, thanks for having me. I will also mention that Lauren is the chair of the Elgin Professional Learning Committee. Yeah. So that's a new, newer role for you. Uh, yeah, uh, starting in, I believe it was around uh, September. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, exciting. So getting my feet wet with that. The other really exciting work that Lauren is a part of is Leaders for Change. Do oh, yes. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about what that group has been doing. Yeah, for sure. So Leaders for Change is a group of individuals. Um, it was a group, actually, that was created out of Heartwork, the first PD event that we were lucky to be a part of. Yeah, that was back on May 9th, right? May 9th, that's correct, yeah. So there, currently we have about four uh, educators, a part of the group, kind of a representation from different agencies within the county, which is really important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've been doing right now is just doing some surveying, getting some information about the community that we're working in. We hosted our first sugar cookie social. Yeah, it was a huge success. Yes, it really was. Um, we had 30 registered and went, ended up with 35, which was Amazing. such a, a wonderful thing to see. We had great representation from home care to students to professors uh, to city representation. Amazing. And it was just really great to hear the voices and to see how comfortable everybody was sharing their stories and where they're at in their profession. It was just some, the start of some really great work. That's fantastic. And so really this group is coming together to kind of support advocacy efforts across yeah. Elgin specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So the Sugar Cookie so- Social really started to get people's perspective on where they are at in their advocacy journey and to kind of under- um, explain what advocacy is. Right. Because I think that we think advocacy is a very big, ca- looks like you're marching outside. Right, that big capital A advocacy yes. stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. When we're in reality, it can be as simple as sharing a Facebook post right. um, that means something to you or that connects with your practice. So um, giving educators and professionals different ideas on how to get their message and their, their words out there. That's incredible. And so, yeah, so they can follow you on uh, yeah, leaders on Instagram and Facebook at Leaders for Change uh, St. Thomas Elgin. Uh, yeah, follow us along. Uh, we Amazing. have some good social media uh, posts, just some good engaging conversations that we'd love for you to be a part of. Absolutely. So important. I think a lot of times we know the state of our profession right now and how important advocacy is, but don't know always where to start. So to know that Elgin professionals can turn to Leaders for Change as a place to start if they're not sure or if they are really involved in capital A, marching, really intense advocacy, this can also complement some of that work too. Yeah, absolutely. And we're we're just really looking forward to see what this does in Elgin and how it can kind of grow us as a community. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, to be together as one, so. That's awesome. It's great. So yeah, be sure to follow them on Instagram. They have incredible content, uh, really on topic, relevant, post winter rethink there was a lot of really great quotes from Natalie to help continue those conversations and reflections so it's not just about you know write your MPs or MPPs and we need to do this it's you know part of advocacy is reflecting on our practice reflecting on who we are as educators and how we can move forward and I think a lot of the prompts 
that um, your Instagram is offering allows educators to do that. So, Yeah, Amazing. and our hope is that the platform can be a place where educators can come and find, like I said, a sense of community and even some networking opportunities mm. to be able to further the conversation where yeah. they maybe don't have those opportunities within uh, their location or maybe their home care providers where they're working by themselves for most of the day. Yeah. So having that outlet and having those people to speak to is important. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just another means you can attend professional learning, you can be part of Leaders for Change in the upcoming work. There's just so many incredible avenues to Yeah, great further. ways to get involved. Exactly. For Love sure. it. Awesome. So today we're going to kind of talk about what you're most passionate about. So you're a center director currently. You were an educator working directly with children. You kind of worked your way up. Um, and what you noticed as an emerging leader, as a professional, and what you're noticing amongst your team in terms of places to pause and consider our work with children. Yeah. So connection seems to be that really yeah. um, key key message for you. Yeah. So as you mentioned before, I have a very well-rounded experience mm-hmm. in the earlier sector. Um, I came on uh, straight out of high school to work as a supply staff in a childcare center, all the way from working in program to supervisory to directorship now, which is really exciting. Is. Um, but what I do notice through all of those steps in my profession is that connection was the number one idea that kept coming up. Mm. So when I'm starting at a new center or I'm starting as a supply staff, building the connections with my coworkers, the management team as well, and first and foremost, the children that you're mm-hmm. working with is what's going to get you through. Yeah. Um, if a child cannot build that connection with you, you're not going to be able to understand that child. Mm -hmm. If a child is displaying certain behaviors, you're going to have to build that connection to really be able to understand those things. Yeah, that makes sense. So, So what is connection? What would you define connection in the in the world of early years as? Connection, um, I think there's a number of ways that you can identify Mm -hmm. that but I like to think of it as comfort Mm -hmm. Um, when you're comfortable going up to your educator for a hug if you're comfortable to come to speak with your director and have those hard conversations those hard conversations are built through connection Um, you're building your connection when you're having those those harder conversations with your families as well yeah and community partners it's really through the whole system. <laughs> whole system, sure. it really yeah. is, yeah. Well, and it's one of those things we often see in our work with children is the work that we're doing directly with them is so transferable to our, our relationships with colleagues, our relationship with management, our relationship to the community as a whole, that what the skills that we're working on as adults are the skills that we're helping children work on as well. So to be able to build relationships, to build personal connections to one another isn't always easy. No. And it's so important across so many aspects of our lives and will carry with these children for the rest of their lives. Because, and I think that there's probably times in all of our practices that we, we've maybe met a coworker, we maybe maybe met a child where we struggle to meet that need of connection. Mm. There's something about yeah. the two of you that just isn't quite meshing. Yeah. So I mean, it's okay for that to be the case, but what are you going to do and what are you going what effort or what work are you going to put in to build that connection so that something does change? I like that. Because we do practice primary care in a lot of our locations, mm-hmm. I'm sure, and primary care is is great connection, but when that person's not there, there needs to be somebody else that the child right. is connecting to and um, seeking that connection with. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend to educators specifically who are working directly with children as a way to build connection when those relationships feel difficult? 
my recommendation, and I know it seems very simple, but is time. Mm. <laughs> I think that uh, some relationships and connection takes a little bit longer, but I think your patience in the situation and getting to know the children a little bit better, um, doing some dive into their family and getting to understand them a little bit better. I think that once you understand sometimes the family dynamic that a child is coming from, you're able to identify with that child a little bit more and be mm-hmm. able to understand um, what makes them tick. Yeah. Um, and connection is also definitely built through conversation. Yeah, Speaking to the children, getting to know who they are, what their likes are, their dislikes, and then playing on that, being able to, you know, maybe you bring that into that activity, into the program for the day, or, you know, somebody has um, a real special spot for animals, then you're maybe making sure that you're, you know, that's something that you're introducing for mm-hmm. the day, and that's bringing that child closer to you. I like that. I um I definitely have met some children in my career where we like just don't mesh. And and that's like that with all humans, right? Like we are not we're not designed to agree 100% wholeheartedly with every human we encounter. So when those instances occur, is there ways of navigating that or is there things that we can remind ourselves that it's okay that we don't mesh? A hundred percent, but we still need to respect. Yeah, and kindness is key. I think that there's lots of people that we run into in our day-to-day that we need to have some sort of a connection with, but you don't always agree with their their thoughts, their practices. That's going to happen. So I think that um, being respectful of the children in your care, kindness is key, yeah. And I really do believe that. I think that like we when we spoke about primary care and we talk about how a child usually has a stronger connection with one's particular educator mm-hmm. in the program, I think that that's fine. I think that that's, you know, everybody has a person and yeah. they, they should have one. But being able to at least know that that child is able to come to you and you're going to be there to hug them, you're going to be kind to them, and you're going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that you don't have to always love the way the child does something or even like the certain noise the child yeah. makes or yeah. something silly like that but um recognizing that they're people and they're to be respected just like yeah. everyone else so you've mentioned primary care a couple times so do you want to explain what that is because some listeners might not necessarily know or might not practice that in their centers yeah so at our locations we do practice primary care so that means that when the child comes into the program they're immediately given a primary educator so when they come into the program they're given an educator, just like a naturally assigned? Yes, or? so at, at first. Okay. So that w- that's what would happen at first. You would have an uh, educator assigned to the child. That does not mean that that's who your child's primary caregiver is going to be. Because as we know, different children gravitate towards different people. Right. And that's okay. So that's recognizing and doing observations, building that connection, and spending the time with the children on the floor, um, getting to really understand them. Um, being on the floor is key. And I think yes. that... Uh, that is where you meet a lot of your connection. I think when we're standing up in front of the children, it's a very much a power stance. Mm. So when you are down on their level, on their level yeah. meeting them eye to eye, that is a respect thing. Mm-hmm. And that is a great way to build connection. Yeah. So speaking to primary care again, the child, based on connection, based on relationship, that's how the primary care will be selected. So the okay. child, select, in the end, selects yeah. the primary care. So in a in a classroom, let's say, of, of 24 preschoolers and three educators, mm-hmm. so each child would have a primary caregiver, and then would they operate mainly in small groups? Like, would they go outside different times? Like, correct. is that how they have that time alone to build relationships? Is that what that looks like? That's correct. So um, in a group of 24 children, they would have their 
eight, and the children have selected their primary, who they would like to be with. And you know what? That looks different day to day. Okay. So, so it's not a forever assignment. No, absolutely not. Because there may be something that I brought in today that really connects mm. with another child. And they're like, well, Miss Lauren brought this in, and I'd really like to spend this time with her. Right. No problem. Yeah. Just watch it. We we flip-flop, we do what we need to do, um, but meeting that child's need. But speaking to primary care, a secondary primary caregiver is just as equally as important because as we know, we're not always in attendance. We have vacation that we well deserve, and we get sick. Uh, Our children get sick. Making sure that there's another person in that room that that child feels the connection with, that child is comfortable going to for for comfort. So it's it's primary care is a good way of explaining because it it's not the only caring relationship that child will experience. It's just the one that they click the most with and that can change day to day. Absolutely and over time. Right. So when I first started this child would always come to me but over time they recognized that the outdoor play that my coworker is offering is something a lot more aligned with what they're looking for and mm. so they're always at the window looking to go out with that educator. So that's mm. when you're saying like you're, you're observing your child, you're getting to know the children in your care, and you're saying, you know, yeah. I think that this Little is what John. they're trying to tell us. Yeah. Yes. yeah, absolutely. So how does that, I'm just curious, if, if that affects the educator's ability to plan based on emerging interests, if their group is always changing? Because we are emergent and yeah. we are um, teaching based on observation, it doesn't really affect that. Um, when you're coming in each day, the children, the educators are prepared to change what they're doing. That's on okay. The- you can snap. <laughs> <laughs> are, cha- are prepared to change what they're doing on the fly based right. on the interest. And we talk a lot about that and how flexibility is key working with children because mm. your observations during the day was that the children were really interested in uh, sink and float. So you go home and you you make this big activity, but you come in the next morning and that's not even remotely what they're talking <laughs> right. about. Very frustrating, yep. I'm sure. But happens often. It happens often. Yep. But I think that's the beauty of emergent curriculum is you're meeting them where they're at yep. and what they're interested in speaking about. Yeah. I, I think what happened when emergent curriculum came to be is that we removed ourselves as educators so much from the story of our classrooms, Mm -hmm. it was only children, only children's voices, only what they were interested in that we forgot what we were interested in and forgot to share parts of ourselves. And we are just as equally a a member of that classroom as the children are. So it sounds like this primary care approach not only helps support connection and strengthening connections and relationships with children and educators, but allows the educators a little bit more flexibility in offering things that they're like you mentioned that the um, educator you worked with who had this really great outdoor program yeah that was her passion I'm assuming yeah absolutely and and she was able to bring that to the children whereas outdoor is not my passion as we have heard on a previous podcast episode (laughs) with Jenny and and so that wouldn't be my strength as an educator and it's allowing our own strengths and passions and interests to come through too a lot of the conversations that we have, especially when staff are, are kind of just coming on with us, is talking to them about what their passion is in the program. Hmm. And how would you handle the situation if another educator told you that they were uncomfortable with that? Hmm. So I'm very um, interested in messy play and making sure that we have as much experience. Yeah. But my coworker, that really stresses her out, Interesting. Uh, the mess. So if that's the case, that's when your connection comes into place. So having those open conversations, having that that conversation with your coworker saying, 
this is very important to me in my practice. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to see or need to do to feel fulfilled. Yeah. I understand that this stresses you out. So what I'll do is I'll make sure that I've cleaned up my area to the best of my ability so mm-hmm. that you come in, you can do what you need to do. I think it's very important that we do not hinder our joy and yeah. our in our experiences because it makes somebody else feel uncomfortable. Right. I think that's when your connection and your conversations are coming in to express how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it leads in perfectly to the complexity of these relationships and connections that we're talking about today. It's not just our connection and relationship with children. It's ourselves, mm-hmm. our connection with ourselves, and also our colleagues. Yeah. So I imagine it's a lot easier to have a difficult conversation with a colleague when you have a relationship, a, a professional friendship. Oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, I think it's something that we've been talking about a lot lately. Diane Cash, I know, has done a lot of work recently around um, critical friendships and having those critical friendships in your lives. So how do you help support the educators to build those among themselves? You know, beyond the typical team building, whatever, how do we help foster connection between our our colleagues yeah and that's tricky too right because like what you said in regards to like critical friend isn't necessarily a friend that I would go for dinner with all the time do you know what I mean like a a critical friend is somebody that I'm going to bring a situation that I'm going through and I want her to critically go through that situation with me and give me the most honest feedback and I can count on her for that all the time where sometimes those lines get a little bit blurred when you right. have friends that, you know, we're, we're going out for dinner on the mm-hmm. weekend or we're going out to a movie. That's a little bit different. Right. But I think keeping the conversation flowing and free of judgment is where you're going to see those relationships mm-hmm. bloom and where you're able to sit in an unbiased conversation and really listen to what is important to the educators and they are going to hold the same space for you. Yeah. And I think it's that agreement at the beginning when you're coming in because I think we all know how important those relationships are in the classroom to the children. Yeah. And not just to the children, to the families as well. The yeah. families recognize when things are off track within the program. Mm-hmm. They recognize when things aren't working with their coworkers. So I think that, yeah, that's, that's important. It sounds like this requires a lot of vulnerability. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know that Brene Brown's mm-hmm. work around vulnerability was something that's really um, cl- close, near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, So how do you help foster an environment amongst your team that supports being vulnerable like this? This may sound very trivial, but it is lots of conversation. And even when you think that you've talked it to death, having more conversation and creating a culture of listening. Yeah. I think that is important as well. I think for me specifically, when people are talking to me, I'm I'm very excited to like get into the conversation yes. and like offer my thoughts and offer my opinions mm-hmm. to the, the conversation. But I think there is so much value in sitting still, <laughs> list, looking at the person and listening to what they're saying, making sure people feel heard. That's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, you that's wanna, hard. It absolutely is, and I think that in our field. Our sector specifically, there's always so many things going on. Mm-hmm. So I know for me as a director, when I'm trying to listen to the educators who have a converse, have a conversation, I'm trying everything in my body not to listen to my email dinging off mm-hmm. and the children crying down the hallway and um, thinking about what I need to make for dinner the night before. Mm-hmm. So being well-versed in the culture of listening is is what's going to help build those relationship and connections. A lot of these conversations we're having and and even around our professional learning committee tables comes kind of back to that mindfulness part of our role. 
um, not only how important it is with children, but in and of ourselves when we're engaging in conversation with colleagues. It's to forget about the running to-do lists in our heads that we all have and the temptation of the email buzzing or the phone buzzing or whatever it may be to really be in the moment. Yeah, it is certainly connected, right? Like, I mean, in order to be, and that's that, that's taken me a lot of practice. Oh, yeah. I am, like I mentioned before, I'm very excited to get into the conversation. So to be able to hold space and intentionally listen, I've seen a crazy shift in my relationships with mm. the educators at specifically at the center that I work at when I started to really embrace a culture of listening yeah. and not always assume that they're looking for an answer, but mo- mainly just an ear. Yeah. It um, reminds me of a training that we took here at ChildReach oh years ago. And the facilitator offered the idea of asking when you're in those conversations with colleagues of, do you want me to fix the problem or do you want me to just listen to the problem? Because sometimes educators, people, just want to vent. They want to have someone to listen to to just vent for. They don't necessarily need someone to come in and solve the problem that they're sharing about. They just want to get it off their chest. And other times we are seeking advice, we're seeking feedback, we're seeking um, suggestions on how to resolve the issue. So knowing that from the get-go, as a listener, to outright say, okay, okay yeah, I want to I want to have this conversation with you. Do you want me to fix or do you want me to listen? Yeah, and I think that's great advice, Allie, just to even share amongst the early years community yeah. is that whether it's your coworker or it's a critical friend or it's a, a, a parent, a parent or a that's member. right, yep. that's coming at you. You're, you know, I think that sets the stage for yourself as well to be able to know, okay, I need to be like, yes. <laughs> I need to be just a listening ear for this person right now yeah. or I need to be prepared with a few other, right, a listening ear as well, prepared for some, some feedback. And it does change how you listen to that person too because if you know that you're going to need to provide feedback, you're also thinking about what you're going to say in your head. Whereas if you know they just want an, a a, a comfortable friend to listen to, um, a kind face to share what they're going through, and you can just be that without having that running dialogue go in your head, that helps you be the right kind of listener in that moment. I think sometimes too, people will come to you with a problem right after it's happened. Yes. So not actually taking the time to absorb the information. Mm. So they come in, they're coming in pretty hot. They're coming in a little upset, um, maybe not thinking the process through. So really what they are needing is just to vent it out. Yeah. And then I'll come back later when I've got a little bit more thought process behind it. But I I just needed to get off my plate. And I think there's power in that. I think that's good. Yeah. I think it helps build connection and relationship. 100%. I like it. Yeah. So um, next kind of relationship dynamic that I'm, I'm thinking of is kind of what we just touched on is the educator to family or to parent. Because you're only seeing them for a quick drop off and a quick pickup. And sometimes it's not easy to build relationship in the few moments that that's happening. You know, parents are busy. They have to get to work. They have already done a million and seven things that morning before they got to the child care center to drop their child off. They're in a rush. They have a meeting, whatever it may look like. How can we help support those connections? I think what's important, first and foremost, is getting to know your families, knowing the dynamic that you're working with. So mm. what are what's limiting the connection at this point? Is it a language barrier? Mm. And if that's the case, what are you going to do to support that? Yeah. You're going to ask them. You're yeah. going to talk to them and see what they can you can do to support the relationship mm-hmm. a little bit better. But yeah, getting to know your families and know the way they prefer their communication. Potentially some families 
don't enjoy the back-to-back banter. They right. don't they don't want to have that conversation. They've had a very long day. Right. That's fine. Yep. You get to understand your families a little bit more, and you know that they're um, – we have Hi Mama at the Early Learning Center, okay, but I'm yep. sure other people have Remind or different yep. types of apps that you're sharing that communication through there yeah. a little bit more in depth because you know you're not getting that time with them at the end of the day. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when you're having a, maybe a concern or maybe a thought about what's going on in the ch- their child's life, making mm-hmm. sure that you have some intentional time to be able to go away and have that conversation, not calling in the middle of program where things are rushed and you're trying to. So you ask your director or supervisor, right. may I have a few minutes to just take Take some time to speak with this parent. Um, I think it really just just like with the children and just like with their coworkers, you're going to get to know who you're working with mm-hmm. and um, build the connection based on there. I think that's so important. It um, reminds me a lot of what Jane Clinton talks about around like just love builds brains and this idea that connection is key. Mm-hmm. That if we are showing love, genuine love and and concern care that we are showing that their child matters to us Mm -hmm. that's all family I mean I can speak to this as a parent now I get to wear that parent hat now taking my son to child care it's a very different experience receiving a child as an educator versus dropping your baby off and I'm sure it's changed your perspective very much so because it's and and the educators that are in max classroom are phenomenal educators and do such a great job caring for him. I know that he's in good hands, but I also am privileged to know what goes into making um, his environment and, and, and his educators who they are. If you're a parent that doesn't know childcare, if you're in a completely different field and don't know, to leave your baby with a stranger, it's a hard thing. It's an incredibly hard thing. So educators it takes a bit of work to build that relationship with families to make sure they feel comfortable we really felt this during covid um especially with the drop-offs that were at the door right Um, and they were for us specifically they were directors and supervisors that were running the the children back and forth so the main educators weren't seeing those parents at all yes um so it was a lot of well, ideally, it wasn't the supervising directors weren't the ones delivering the messages just mm. because it's a lot of, it's a game of telephone, right? Totally. So we had a lot of conversations about how are we still going to meet that connection yeah. and that community involvement when we're not able to see them every day. Um, mm. We did a lot of videos and different interactive type things, yeah. but I know for the educators that worked with the children, they were very mi- much missing mm. uh, that parent interaction during that time and building that community connection. Well, and and the empathy and it requires to kind of put yourself in that parent's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you know very grateful that I, I could take Macklin directly to his classroom door. I could tour the center before he was enrolled there. That wasn't an option during the pandemic, and a lot of parents were just blindly trusting that when they left their child at this door, that they were in a safe and well cared for environment and. It's your baby. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And again, like you said, Ali, like you're well versed in all of this. You yeah. know the preparation that takes place. You know the, oh, for the sure. credentials and everything that these educators Licensing must have in all order the, all the things. to make this work. Yeah. But you're for a lot of families, first time moms, first time families, yeah. you're just experiencing this. Mm-hmm. So and if you don't have a connection within the center, some people are lucky enough to know somebody that's maybe worked there or right. had a child attend there. But there's a lot of families that are coming here from yeah. not the area. Right. So Building those connections is so important. Yeah. Making them feel a sense of belonging. Yeah, that's incredible. 
And it's not, uh, it's, it's easier said than done. Oh, it certainly is. A lot of the time. It's, we know, we know in our brains it's all the right things to do, but sometimes it's challenging. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, is slowing ourselves down and being present in our practice. So really um, slowing down your practice and being conscious of what you're doing and how you're, mm. and how you're engaging with the children, how you're engaging with the families. And could you be doing something a little bit differently? Right. Is there a way you could be sitting in the classroom on the floor? In a, are you sitting there with your arms crossed? Yeah. Or are you sitting there crisscross applesauce and have mm-hmm. your arms in a way that you're very much welcoming a child if they need, or you're a great spot to read a story, or you're a great spot to help with building an amazing castle. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of different opportunities with mm-hmm. how you position yourself. I don't know where I saw this quote, but I saw a quote recently that was like, um, every child deserves to have an adult who lights up when they walk in the room and I think for not only for connection with the child but with that family too to see an educator delight in your child to visually see them kind of light up when that child walks in the room that would give me as a parent that does give me as a parent the comfort in knowing that he's loved and well cared for in in his environment because I know they delight in him as much as I do. So that's an amazing feeling. It is. And the thought to question it, I think about families that have had to question, you know, like, do they even like my kid? Yeah. Do they like my child? Like, that's an awful yeah. feeling yeah. Um, to, to feel that way. And I can see the delight in the family's eyes when I can specifically pick something out that they only know about their child. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it was a, a dance move that they were only doing for mom and dad at home. But I witnessed it and I said, oh, I saw him out, out there today and yeah. using his moves or whatever. And they're they're so excited. They're like, you know him like I do. Like yeah. you get to, you're getting to know him the same way that I am. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to build connection. You got it, girl. It, uh, it gives a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. It gives a lot of opportunity for self-reflection too, to think of you know, kind of what you said, how do I come across when that family walks in the room? How do I come across when that child walks in the room? Or my colleague or my manager or whomever that may be. Um, what am I doing to actively show delight in yeah. what I do? And, you know, days are hard. No, this work is hard work. It is taxing. It asks a lot of us. So some days it's easier said than done to light up when when little Susie walks in the room that day. But if we're actively mindful and conscious of our connections and how that may appear, you know, what a powerful thing that would that would say, what messaging would say to our colleagues, to our families, to the children we care for. Absolutely. Well, thank you for this wonderful conversation. No, thank you. This was wonderful. I mean, you know, we're so lucky that we get to sit around these tables and just talk about things like this that we're so passionate about yeah absolutely so before we go we, of course we've been playing our rapid fire game yes. so we want um all of our listeners to get to know you a little bit better okay so i'm going to ask just like some favorites and you can either like just answer without explanation or you can justify it either one is fine but, got it you know it's a rapid fire so first thing that comes to your mind oh good okay <laughs> okay your favorite children's book uh the very hungry caterpillar Mm, Eric Carl. I love a good Eric Carl. So good. Favorite age group to work with? Preschool. Although, since <laughs> I have gone into the directorship, I've spent a lot more time in an infant program, and I thoroughly enjoy that as well. I mm-hmm. honestly could work in any of them, but if you were to give me the choice, 100% preschool. 
Um, favorite professional learning you've attended? Oh, Darcy Lang. <laughs> that was so easy. You know, I think both Amy and I said that one in, in the intro episode. Yeah. Yeah, like anything Darcy Lang, I honestly, I'm looking so much forward to her coming back to this area. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely phenomenal. And just, I'm so excited for all educators to receive that message. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, I would say anything vanilla based. Vanilla based? Yeah, very vanilla girl. Not so much like, for chocolate. Want You want bits in your vanilla? or Yeah, you just, usually. Like, like, like cookies and like a cookie dough or? Yeah, like I'm big at marble slab. Like I like like the vanilla with like raspberry and caramel. Ooh. Oh, it's good. Sounds good. That's making me want ice cream. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, other than our podcast, mm-hmm. favorite podcast? The preschool podcast. Oh, good. Yeah, it it's really one. is aligns very closely. It so. does. <laughs> it does. Uh, we will also link it in the bio oh, or yeah, description of this one so that folks can check it out because we do not gatekeep around here. Yeah, we are absolutely. not the only early years podcast. We want to share the wealth. Yeah, share the knowledge. Share, share the information. Absolutely. Yes. Incredible. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat. I so appreciate it. I, I look forward to continued conversations around some of your work, specifically with Leaders for Change and how that continues to emerge and support um, elegant educators. And thank you. We appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.